Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 269 of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Greg's been waiting his whole life for this pod. Let's get started. I I am so excited. Like, just have been waiting a long time to talk about a lot of the things we're going to be covering tonight. And there continues to be news after news after news, specifically in the gaming space. We are in February. It's February 3rd as we record this, 2022. Crazy. We started this podcast in 2016. Uh, but Jesus. I know. <laughs> I know. We'll be six years old in July. Uh, so with that, um, it's direct season. So it's direct month. We know one's coming. We have a lot to talk about this month. It's going to be a great month. February is like every game ever is coming out. Elden Ring and, for, and Horizon and all this stuff. So let's not waste any more time. We got a big show for you tonight. Like Sam said, been waiting a long time specifically for some things we're going to talk about here as we kick off the show in gaming. But before that... We're going to tease our next interview. It's been a while. I don't even know the last one we did. It might have been Ryan Airy. I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, it's been that long. No, it's it. Right. Oh, besides Surge. Surge yeah, right. Airy. We had Surge on. Right. God, sorry, buddy. Um, we had our picks of the week. I'm excited for mine. Uh, we have trivia seven for me. Four for Sam, race to 11, win by two. Sam will take over and, I guess, start in gaming. Sony <laughs> has a counterpunch to the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We will talk about that. And Jeff Keighley reports that maybe the big guys aren't done. So we'll kind of speculate into that. I will have my spoiler-free impressions of Pokemon Legends Arceus. It's only been a year. Since this game was announced and we knew it was in uh, in development, but it feels like that year went extremely slow. Uh, I will let you know if it is the game that everybody thought it could be. And I'll also let you know some things that I think could be improved. From there, I'll talk about very quickly my spoiler-free impressions of Uncharted The Legacy of Thieves Collection, which is the PS5 remaster of Uncharted 4 and Uncharted Lost Legacy. We have a delay that we knew from the second it was announced that it was going to get delayed. And now the writing has been on the wall for a long time. We've called it, and now it's official. We got a look at Gran uh, Grand Turismo 7, Ghostwire Tokyo. We have our top three favorite racing games of all time tonight, and that's just in gaming. And oh, by the way, we have updates on the PS5 sales, the Nintendo Switch sales, the top 10 Switch games, Pokemon sales. Uh, Call of Duty sales, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl with its new DLC character. We got it all before we switch the dial to television. And we talk about the Halo trailer. It got its debut look on Paramount+. Plus. It's coming in March. Uh, we now have a release date as well. So, like, normally that's the thing that would lead the pod, Sam. But this is going to be almost buried behind a huge gaming section. Oh, no. Th this pod is 
80% gaming. This is a monster of a podcast, so very excited for that. We got some things that are coming back out of the woodwork before we go to movies where Scream 6 has been greenlit. Spider-Man is getting a new spinoff film. We got the review for Jackass Forever and a little bit of an update on the Batman before Sam takes us home with his weekly WADA. So, a lot to talk about, but before we get into our picks of the week, I want to give you some information on our next interview. It is one week from tonight, so we're going to be... We're going to be figuring some stuff out, whether we want to go Wednesday, Thursday, or double dip. We'll figure that out as the news happens and our schedules allow. But we are going to be honored to have on from GamesBeat.com, the review editor of GamesBeat, Mike Minotti, all the way from Ohio, will be joining the podcast to talk about such things as why GoldenEye is overrated, which we're going to grill his ass on that. Uh, we're going to talk about some AEW. We're going to talk about <laughs> pause button music. <laughs> right. I know we're going to talk about Metroid dread, the state of star Wars, uh, his game of the year. Oh my gosh. We got so much stuff that we want to talk about with Mike Minotti, but if you're not familiar with him, he's got a couple of podcasts that he does with Jeff Grubb. Jeff Grubb is a source we use all the time on this podcast. So go listen to The Last of the Nintendogs, which is a Nintendo podcast that they do. Go listen to Games Beat Decides, which is their overall gaming podcast that they do. Go listen to the 90s Disney podcast if you're a fan of, I don't know, Disney from the 90s, I think. Uh, we can go check that one out. That's a monthly podcast with him and his brother, AJ. So I highly recommend all that. This is one I'm excited for. For the simple fact that we got a blue check mark coming on the show, baby. Oh, sorry. Our probably no. We have we had a few blue check marks in our, in our day. Mm-hmm. We got a couple blue. Ones. It's been a while, brother. It's been a while. We've had some people that should be blue check marks. I know, right? So I always think about that. <laughs> or it's been one week since I laughed at you. Yeah, I do. There's I do a lot. There's time. certain words that if they're together. I just sing the song. My there's nothing I can do. Nothing you can do. You're just I'm helpless. You're inside. just sitting there, just like chickety china. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but excited to have Mike on the pod because he has a wealth of knowledge in not only games journalism and making it in that world, which I know a lot of our listeners are into, but also loves professional wrestling and Star Wars and gaming and TV, the things that we love too. So this is going to be a fun pod about how to come up in the games journalism world, how you become a reviews editor, what that even is, how to write gaming reviews and all that stuff if you were looking to break into the business of games journalism. And why Mandalorian is the best thing that Star Wars has right now. He actually likes Book of Boba Fett, so we're going to be able to talk oh, about that. Okay. So we got a ton to talk about. And it's not just going to be the journalism stuff. We're going to have so much fun yeah. talking about why I personally think GoldenEye is underrated, even with all the acclaim. He thinks it's overrated. Sam, I think, is probably on my side on that one uh, with it being underrated. But we're going mean, to have so we, much fun. We grew up with it. We were, it was just the perfect time and place. I, yeah, but I think it's more than that. I think it's actually a game that isn't overrated. Like, yes, we grew up with it, so we have that special connection. But to me, I think it did more for the genre of first-person like shooters and couch multiplayer than I mean if a, it's given. You know, like a, a 12 year old picks up you know an N64 control plays it now he may think it's shit like he didn't grow up he don't have the nostalgia like we do so maybe if we go back we, we do have a little bit of rose colored glasses on I don't know I don't know if it's nostalgia or the fact that the N64 controller is really tough to use nowadays for people yeah. that have dual analog sticks and stuff so I don't know if it's nostalgia as to why that person wouldn't be able to get it maybe it's just the controller kind of stinks but we love it that's totally nostalgia that that controller is 
is bad. <laughs> like, I don't care what anyone says. It's it's bad, but I love it. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't want anything else with that goofy ass system. Uh, crazy that that only sold thirty something million units, thirty two million I think units. Nuts. But anyway, Mike Minotti, GamesBeat.com's reviews editor on the pod next week. Now let's get into it. We'll start where we customarily do, Sam, with our picks of the week. Pick of the week this week. I actually saw, I finished this a little bit ago. You know, again, a lot of shows fall in the back burner. I think I got at least six or seven picks of the week now. But I finally finished Masters of the Universe Revelation. Good for you. I Again, I think what really hurt this show was it getting split up between two parts. It really hurt from having the first five drop in July and then the final five in no, like mid to end November. Again, people complained that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't number one. It, it's not called He Man. It's called Masters of the Universe Revelation. So a lot of people were a little butthurt that it wasn't more centered around you know Adam and and He Man. It was more on, on Tila, and she kind of has her own story, which which I liked. It was something different. Um, obviously, the the thing that stuck out to me was the animation. I I thought the animation was beautiful. It, it, I I don't think it's on this like I I'll probably always like the OG anim like the eighties a little bit better just because that's we were kids and growing up with it and you always watch a cartoon and you always have like that that voice actor that just sticks out for you. It's just tough to kind of get over it. I mean Chris Wood does an okay job as as, as He Man, but I, I'd probably still prefer the OG. Obviously Mark Hamill was fantastic as Skeletor. I mean again this was, you know, created well it wasn't like the um it was developed by Kevin Smith and produced. Um again I loved every boy from Kevin Conroy, Henry Rollins, uh, Danny Trejo was in it. He's in freaking everything. Lena Headey, Stephen Root. I mean, like it just every character. You just you know, like, oh, I know that voice. Oh, I know this voice. And I dug with the story told. It was something different that I've never seen anything. Maybe on the new He Man, I, I didn't see anything on this level, but it was just He Man kind of took a back seat. And it was you know the Man at Arms and other P- evil Lin kind of step up and. It, it was just a, a different take on the universe. And I, I really loved it. I I think we'll get another season. I, I don't see them doing one and done. Because um, it, it doesn't say that it was canceled. I still see it's, it's still open, but it's, nothing's officially signed. Um, the critics seem to love it. They gave it a 94%, but the, the fans gave it a 39%. I, I truly feel like that was like the first half. I The, def, the second half, I think, definitely was way more well-received than the first half. But it's on Netflix. It's only 10 episodes. And the good thing, each episode is only 20 to 24 minutes. You're in and out fast. So if you got a little bit of time, check out Masters of the Universe Revelation. Mine is also a blast from the past recently brought into the present, but not in the style of a remaster or a new series or a revival. Mine's just the good old-fashioned version that became available on a modern console. And for me, I haven't played this game since 2015 and that was for like a minute i haven't beaten it since 1998 banjo kazooie is available now on the nintendo switch online it's also available on game pass part of rare replay if you have that as well but the nintendo switch online offers the original n64 version with all the horrible decisions they made. And so I was like, that's the one I want to beat. I don't want any help from the modern version that kind of makes it a tad easier. I want to experience it and I want to experience it in OLED in handheld mode. That's just what I wanted. 
And so in my spare time at night, going to bed, what have you, this has been my bed game, my middle of the night game, whatever the case may be. If I have a little bit of time here and there, I've been playing Banjo-Kazooie. And I recently beat it in the past 24 hours, matter of fact. And I forgot just how A, batshit crazy the final two levels are, and B, how much fun that game is. It revolutionized the collectathon, And it's so good. It's just so good. It's got some flaws. I don't love that you don't get your notes saved and you have to get a note score. And I don't love some other things about it. Um, But the levels are fun. The characters are wild. It's funny. It controls a little rough. You kind of got to get used to it. But that's what 3D platformers were back then. And it is a game by Rare, the same company that made Conquer and the same company that made GoldenEye and all this stuff that we love so much from the Nintendo 64 era and Banjo. I forgot how good that game was. Our friend Chris, uh, he just blows that up out of the water. His favorite game of all time. So like, it's definitely always in my consciousness, but I just never felt like going back to revisit it. And when it became available for the Switch online, I got to find a reason to play that. I'm spending $50 a year. I need a justification. I can't keep playing Mario Kart 64. I'm just over it. So I need something more. And to be able to get this game at a really good time, we got it in early January, which led perfectly into Legends Arceus. And so it gave me something to play kind of leading into that title. I'm obsessed with it. I forgot just how special it was. It truly is a gem on the Nintendo 64. I prefer it in handheld mode. I effed with it a little bit on the TV. And I was like, you know what? This to me right now, I'm feeling handheld on this. And it just kind of feels a little tighter when you play it on a smaller screen. So I'd recommend it. Play it in handheld. Whip it out if you have the expansion pack for the N64 on Nintendo Switch Online. Banjo-Kazooie is great. If you don't have any of that and you have an Xbox and you have Game Pass, it is available as part of that service. So just please do yourself a favor if you never have. Banjo-Kazooie, the OG of Collectathons. Boy, howdy. It is a special title. Let's get into trivia, Sam. So seven for me, four for you. I'm going to give you the question first. And last week I gave you a Crash Bandicoot Uncharted question. Today, I'm just going to give you a good old-fashioned Crash Bandicoot question. Of of all the PlayStation 1 Crash Bandicoot titles, which one sold the best? I'll go to. Yes. It's it's what I think was our favorite, what we played the most, and Mm -hmm. what I know people always say is the best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not by much, though. It, It was like... Less than six hundred thousand copies between the first. Oh, it was second. it was that close, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was both of them, both of them were, I believe, in the seven millions somewhere in there. Okay, all right. Go ahead, crash. All right, seven five. Let's let's see if I can stump you here. By March thirty first, twenty twenty one. How many units have the Devil May Cry series have sold? I'll give you a plus or minus two, and that's the entire series of Devil May Cry. And you're only going to give me a two. Plus or minus two. Yeah. So I have to get the entire. Just number. the title, like sales. It, 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 whether it was, is it 100 million? And I only million? have fucking two of a variance. I, I, I could say 100 too. million and it's 909,907. And I, I'm wrong. You I, 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 I thought two. I thought two was fine. Like, like if you say. You know, I'm just blurting out numbers. If you say 48 million and it's 50 million, you got it. Okay, so it's 2 million. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's oh, Jesus it. Christ. I thought you meant two units. Like, what the fuck? How evil are you? 
Um, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. So what the, the entire franchise, including the spinoff, the DMC spinoff and all yeah, that. It, yep. Yep. God, I have to figure out how many games are those four. Are you including the HD remasters and all that? No, the remasters are not included. Just just the main titled games. So Devil May Cry. What about like the? Wasn't there an HD collection on PS3 there, and I, Xbox not, 360? Not, just the main titled series games. <sighs> I don't know. That. I don't know. Twenty five million. I don't fucking know. I didn't hear. We say it again. 25 million with the plus or minus two you get it it get is the a fuck tr- out of here 23 27? it was 23 million. million get out that's of what, here that's why i gave you two like something tells me 25 is, is a nice number that's that's yeah i couldn't get off that number that was a complete guess yeah and you, you nailed it brother so 7.5 to 5 no nah, 8 to 5 i didn't get answers oh you're right you didn't you did not we both got it without answers today I, that's a that's a good omen for us to to start this conversation. It's been a good pot already. Now we're going to get into the juicy. It ain't juice. looking good for me with 8 to 5. It ain't looking good. We're going to get into that juicy stuff. But I'll take it over in gaming. And we're going to start with a doozy because Sony answered back. Sony acquires Bungie for $3.6 billion with a B. <clears throat> you want to talk about a counterpunch? This is a really good start. It's obviously not the answer. But it is a really good start. You have... Original PlayStation mascots like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro the Dragon, uh, now owned by Microsoft. And now the creators of Halo are owned by Sony, which is just nuts. Uh, Just to clarify, Halo is not a part of this deal. Bungie does not make Halo anymore. Microsoft kept that when Bungie left and gave it to 343. So Microsoft still has Halo, but the creators of Halo were Bungie. And it's funny because Bungie was acquired twice before and they bailed on it both times. So people are like making a joke like how long until they bail on this deal and obviously 3.6 billion dollars with a B is not going to be anything to laugh at. 1.2 billion of that will be given towards the employees to uh basically say don't do what you did the last two times. Stay with us. We're going to make this better and work for you. And you can keep autonomy. You can keep publishing. You can keep doing the things that make you bungee. You can even keep your games multi-platform. They just want to capitalize on the revenue of the IP. Here's the difference between Microsoft and Sony, in my personal opinion, is Microsoft is what they are. You can license it out in Microsoft Word. You can put Cortana in Windows 10 like they have done in the past. And that's neat. But they got gaming. Sony has music. Sony has movies. Sony has TV. So any company looking to get acquired, look at what's happening. Ghost of Tsushima getting a movie. God of War potentially getting something. Twisted Metal getting a franchise, uh, a TV series. Now you add Destiny to that? Bungie? Destiny can make their properties into TV. That's the attractive thing right now to me for Sony. You didn't get... They got half of what Bethesda got, so it's a little bit of an overpay by Sony. But if they're going to start taking this and moving it into TV, film, music, they could just release the Destiny soundtrack on Spotify alone. Yeah. (laughs) So there is a ton of upside for Bungie. They sold high. They got more than they are worth. And now they have the option and opportunity to expand into other medium. That's a big win for Bungie here. 
and again that for at least for me not playing the game destiny like i feel like a tv show or a movie would be more up my alley because like yeah i, I want to see some space stuff but the game wasn't for me you know what i'm saying like e- Okay, we'll, we'll get there. We get with the, the Halo Witcher. TV show. The Witcher, same thing for you. You didn't exactly. Care about the games, and but... you know, season one, I enjoyed. You know, it wasn't the best, but season two, I, I thought they they nailed it. And so again, I like you said, there's a good example. Yeah, and I don't want to hear that the Witcher is based off the books because, regardless, everybody knows it from the game anyway. And yeah. that's where the people really gravitate towards the show from is the people that played the game, not necessarily the people that that read the books. And I'd say the same thing with Destiny. Destiny has a wild. Like development history and like release, it's only been around for eight years. Uh, the first game released, I believe, in 2014. The original voice actor from first part of it was Peter Dinklage, and it was like wild. I, so I rented it when we moved into our Ben Salem apartment. I rented it one night when I first got my Xbox One. It was one of the first games I played on it, and I remember putting it in one random night and putting it on, and it, it never clicked with me. I never went back to it after that first night. I haven't touched it in eight years. I never played Destiny Two. But Peter Dinklage was talking to me, and I was like, "This is so surreal." Because this was like at, when Game of Thrones was yeah, starting to so really blow up. I can't even take you serious right now. It was it was just wild. So, Destiny has a ton of potential from sci-fi, from popularity. Destiny Two is massive. They have the expansion coming out. I believe it's even hitting Game Pass, and that that'll still go through. But like, there's a ton of opportunity here. If you wanted to do a Destiny Netflix series, Sony could fund that in a second. And you're good to go. And then you can pull in all that revenue. And and so it just makes a lot of sense for Bungie to do what they did. Good on Sony for for giving a counterpunch. Um, I don't know if it was a direct counterpunch because, it. I mean, it takes time for these things. I'm sure they were in talks. Reg- oh, dude, yeah. I'm sure at least a few months. I, I'm sure, though, how I, I am dead set on the fact, though, that when this news dropped about Activision, Sony said, all right, we'll pay what you want because this is an overpay 3.6 for one studio. When Bethesda, all those studios were purchased, all 10 of them for seven, this is an overpay. And that's okay. When you have a property like destiny and destiny two, that is so massively popular. That's okay. Especially like I just said, when you can expand it out into different mediums to me, Bungie did the right thing. They got a great deal. They got freedom. They have autonomy. They have multi-plat in their uh, future. And they have all this expansion possibility for their franchises. And they have new IP coming. Destiny is not going to be their only title. You want to launch that flagship title as a timed exclusive? That's what I would do if I was Sony. I would make it a timed exclusive for PS5 only. You want the new Bungie game? You want the Destiny follow-up? Get a PS5. And at least at that point. Good luck. At that right. Well, it's years away, so hopefully this whole thing is behind us. This whole uh, shortage uh, shortage is behind us. But like, boy, that what a what a system seller that could be. Destiny's that from the makers of Destiny only on PS Five for a limited time. Resistance that, Four. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome to see. So I think they're in really good hands. Um, but I don't think I said this to you before. We saw the Jeff Keighley news. I don't think that this is Sony specifically is done here. I think they're going to continue to build out buying these single, I guess you could say smaller studios, but at least these single studios. I don't see them buying a big publisher. Yeah, I was like, when you're in the billions, like I even texted, like maybe we'll go to millions, you know, get a little bit smaller than reach for the stars over here. Yeah, Sony acquired Fire Sprite and Nixus and Bluepoint and uh, Housemark all last year. I mean, they made six or seven 
acquisitions in the last year, but none of them were as big as this. And it's so nuts to me with this $3.6 billion price tag. You know how they bought Insomniac, who, you know, soccer, I'm sorry, uh, Insomniac makers of like Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man and all that. They got them for like $280 million. What Do you want what to talk about the like biggest steal nowadays? Yeah. The biggest steal in gaming history is insomniac they, they, they just had to wait a couple more years they could have cashed out Whew. and like that's just like sony has such a good eye for that microsoft waited and waited and waited and they had they purchased well-known teams that have already published big games for a boatload of cash where sony said 20 years ago naughty dog uh insomniac and all these other and then they home in their own studios, which are just top-notch. They're right up there with Nintendo internal studios for the greatest ever. Microsoft internal can't touch the other two. And that's why Microsoft went outside the boat and said, well, let's just grab Call of Duty and Fallout and Elder Scrolls and all this stuff because we don't know how to make a God of War or even a Legend of Zelda. That's just not their style. So they're very good at Gears of War and Halo uh, and, and Fable. So... It's a great deal for Bungie. It's a good deal for Microsoft. I'm sorry, for Sony. Uh, although I believe it is a slight overpay. That's where we're at. To me, right, if I'm an independent studio and I've made a game of any worth, I'm calling anyone I can to say, hey, put me in a retirement. Buy me. Just let's go. And that's that's where we're at right now. This is, a as Fall Out Boy said, this ain't a scene. It's a goddamn arms race. <laughs> Nice. I've been, I've been waiting for that for four nice days. Time. Four days I've been waiting for that. I didn't want to tweet it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to waste it on a tweet. I want to make sure it lives forever in the pot. It it feels better audibly. Um, yeah. But what was your reaction uh, when you saw this? I mean, like you like you said, like you think the counterpunch, but then like you, you sit on it's like, well, yeah, deals take a little bit longer than this. Um, I, and and we we read a couple things of of both parties from Sony and Microsoft that. Don't be surprised when there will be more purchases throughout the year. Um, and then I, I think it was a couple, even a couple people, like I don't know if it was on our IG that they they left a comment saying that I hope that this doesn't um, basically like close out like a lot of small companies that all the big guys are eating up all the little guys and the little little guys get screwed. I don't think that'll happen, but I'm interested to see what happens next. Well, the little guys, I don't know if they would get screwed because they kind of have to agree to it. I mean, like there's a such thing as a hostile takeover, but that doesn't necessarily happen when it's an independent studio i mean they have to be like yeah let's do that so to them to get screwed over no it's just a a matter of the consumer getting screwed over because now you're forcing games onto platforms that not everybody has i'm lucky i own every console like all the big ones so i can play my games wherever if there are exclusives which i don't love i don't love that games are exclusive but i have the means to play all of them so that part doesn't bother me so much what bothers me is price tags go up and up and up and up and that means game pass goes up and the maybe the price for retail games goes up and what is spartacus going to look like and all of these questions that are now left like completely unanswered for years i mean years microsoft isn't to me going to make another play because especially now with the ftc coming into their deal and overseeing that deal with ab if they go and make another 10 billion dollar acquisition it's not that there's the optics on it aren't good and they're not going to, they're going to wait their year and a half. But Sony's sitting here saying, if we go the smaller route, the 2 billion and less kind of smaller single team acquisitions, we can go there. Maybe they can stretch their wallets a little bit and go for a Sega or something like that. Maybe a crystal dynamics, something along those lines. But 
I really see them pulling in those single teams because you look at Nixus. They bought them specifically to port their games to PC. They've done that. And now look at the sales. God of War goes and gets a, you know millions of sales on PC in a month. Uh, Horizon had a 400% return. Days Gone had like a 700% return on investment on that. Like They're making those small, smart plays because Sony is just so damn smart with who they get in bed with. And this is just another, I guess, uh, example of that. It's interesting. I'm here for it. I love the discourse online. Uh, you know, reading through this is good. This is bad to me. It's out of our control. We're not going to stop it. We can only hope to slow the train down a little bit. Uh, you know, vote with your wallets as they say, um, or don't that's, that's up to you. We're here in this age right now. And all we can do is hope that, you know, square Enix and Ubisoft and take two and these giant publishers don't continue to get eaten up because that would be the big issue. Yeah, considering I only have a PlayStation 5 now, I'm limited to one system. You're the only one I know who doesn't own a Switch. One of these days. One of these days. The Switch 2. Perfect. Now, the story that I know you're most hyped to see, you finally had it. I know you probably got a minimum 10 hours in. Let's get your impressions on Pokemon Legends Arceus. 13 and a half. Okay, I was I was on the ballpark. I'll take it. I, I definitely will. My goal was somewhere between ten and twenty. I feel really comfortable at thirteen and a half because I've only beaten one boss so far. That's how much I've just fucked around and just enjoyed the time in the game. Um, there are five bosses, so I'm not even close. Most people have beaten it in about twenty hours. I'm probably somewhere in the forties because I just I'm a side quest tour, my friend. Uh, but this game. Uh, in the first week in Japan, less than a week, sold 1.5 million copies in Japan alone. That's physical, not digital. Uh, it's also the fastest selling Switch game in the United Kingdom's history above Animal Crossing. It's number two in Japan. This is destined to be close or above a 20 million seller. We haven't even have the United States data yet. We probably won't have a ton of it until the next quarter when they do their quarterly earnings call. We tend to not get those sales figures. We'll know from NPD how it's charting. I don't know if we'll have those exact figures, uh, but this is already a monster seller and it's only been out less than a week. So, And Nintendo doesn't track digital sales until their quarterly uh, earnings call. So we'll have a really good understanding around March um, of what this game did when they do the fiscal 2021 earnings call. So very good uh, from a sales aspect But is it a very good game? And for me, if you took the best parts of Ghost of Tsushima, mix it with uh, with Monster Hunter, give it that Pokemon formula with a really heavy Breath of the Wild influence, that's what you get here. Not as polished, not as expansive, not as massive as even like a Ghost of Tsushima. It's a much smaller scale, but it does all of those things. It's got the side quest gameplay loop addiction of ghost of Tsushima. It's got the prepping base camp aspect of monster hunter. It has the freedom of breath of the wild all while you're catching haunters and geo dudes and things that you've loved for 25 years. So it just has that little extra special piece of it. Now, is it my, you know, is it the best Pokemon game? No, that's probably platinum or black and white too or hard gold and soul silver. 
Is it my favorite Pokemon game? No, that's fire, red, leaf, green, and red and blue and platinum. But to me, this is the most addictive Pokemon game I have ever played. I I mean, I I don't think I, that's a surprise to anyone. Open world Pokemon. I mean, yeah, I, I did hear inconsistent, you know, visual quality, and I think you said like the the world's not as big as I I, I think maybe people thought. Yeah, well, and that they that they still had some. Maybe they could have polished it a little bit better, but they just wanted to release it. Yeah, I I think that. Well, first of all, I really truly believe they wanted to get this out before February because of a a Nintendo Direct, get it behind you, give you something to play in the beginning of the year, but also because Elden Ring and Horizon and all these monster games are launching in February, and they wanted to beat that. Nintendo's smart. They did it with Animal Crossing. They moved it to March. They got lucky with the pandemic. Well, I guess. The pandemic's not lucky, but you know what I mean? From a timing yeah. perspective, they moved it out of the window that they originally had it launched in, and it worked in their favor. They did it again with this game because there's nothing right now. There's nothing. So, you know, Windjammers 2 is what you got right now until mm-hmm. February 18th, I think it is, when Horizon hits and Sifu and all that other stuff. So Ghost Wires in March. So, like, there's a lot of stuff coming up. They wanted to beat that. So I appreciate that. I... Now that I have not just seen it on a screen and I have actually played it, there are definitely some inconsistencies. The world is big on foot. Remember, this is not an open world game. This is an open area. There are sectioned off areas that you pick which one you want to go to. And in that area, it's completely open. You do whatever the hell you want. So it's like five mini open worlds, if you will. Um, On foot, they're massive. And it's going to take you a long time. Once you get to ride Pokemon, you can go really quickly across the world. And it makes it feel a lot smaller to the point where I actually kind of prefer just going on foot because of I don't want to miss anything. I don't want a Pokemon to pop up like a shiny Eevee. And I'm like, whoa, I missed it because I was riding my fucking deer. I, I kind of wanted to just go on foot. So it makes me feel a little bit better. And it's probably stretched out my runtime a little bit here. Again, I'm at one boss only i've done 31 side quests and only seven missions so i'm just kind of enjoying all the little things so you're you're playing it like ghost i got you. you're exactly. doing that every little side mission that pops up i got you every one of them every one of them go collect 107 flames i'm in i'm gonna go collect i'm gonna go around this world and watch fucking 107 i only got like 11 now but still my point is like i, I I, I am totally in on these side quests. So there are some things that I definitely have issues with, and I'll get to those at the very end. But the things I love about this game and the reason you should buy it and why it's, again, it's not my favorite. It might go down at the end as my favorite. I don't think so. I don't think anything's going to match the magic that was Generation 1 to me, at least Fire Red and Leaf Green. I, I don't think it's even possible. Um, that, that, that was just revolutionary took it. And then, well, that, that, that's game's dead to me, but this is, this is a completely different take on a Pokemon game. Like this is that single player only experience. So like, that's what I love about this. This is a single player game, right? There is no multiplayer. You can trade, but that's it. You can't even battle online. They want you to play this by yourself. And there's only one version. We don't got to worry about sword and shield or sun and moon. This is the game you play. And I love that game freak. Isn't trying to crush you. Like if this game does 20 million, I consider that a bigger win than sword and shield doing 25 because you have people like me buying the double pack. So they get everything and you have to buy two titles. Those two games make up 24 million, not one. So I think like the singular, the singularity of Arceus, however many sales it does will be more impressive at the end. 
Um, but I love that. I love little quality of life changes. And this to me is massive. So Sam, you might not, but there's a lot of people out there that hate evolving and they hate evolving their starters. They like just doing their thing and they might attach an oval stone or a, uh, an Everstone to it, but then there goes your held item and things like that. And if you don't, do you remember the trick you have to do? If you don't want to evolve something, if the evolution screen pops up, how do you, you stop? You it? press like B or something. That's right. You press B, but every time you gain a level, that animation screen is going to pop up for evolution at in this game. It just tells you your Pokemon can now evolve and you evolve it whenever you want. It can just stay uh, a haunter for, you know, a billion levels. And when you're ready, you press X and it evolves. And that's it. I guess, I guess that's neat. I, I was never the one to not evolve my Pokemon. If they were evolving, they're evolving. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was never me the too. one to hold me too. give me me stone. Too. I don't know. That was never me. me I, wasn't, I wasn't Ash. I didn't need my Pikachu to stay a Pikachu. <laughs> I, I, that has always bothered me. And, I, and I'm, I'm with you. But it's nice to now know that if, like, keep in mind, there are... In Pokemon, there are like, let's take Growlithe and Arcanine. When you're a Growlithe, you learn Fire Spin at level 33 or whatever. But if you evolve into an Arcanine too early, you can't learn any new moves. You can only teach TMs. Yeah. Stuff like stuff like that. So there is advantages to keeping it a Growlithe for a little while longer. So like that stuff, boy howdy, what a great improvement that is. Also, because uh, yes, you can trade with your friends, but they got rid of trade evolutions. Like Gengar just evolves now, and Alakazam just evolves now. I don't have to keep it a Kadabra for my whole playthrough. Yeah, I w- I like that move. I don't I don't I didn't like that I had to trade to get them to evolve. So if they get evolved at a certain level. I think that's the smarter move. What if I'm on vacation for a week and I didn't bring my Switch, and then you you want to play through the game and now you're fucked? Like that that there are problems with that. So I do love the evolution now is just a thing um this is a really cool one so like let's say my starter levels up to level 25 and they learn a new move so in pokemon games it takes fucking forever Rowlet wants to learn a new move it wants to learn aerial ace do you want to teach it aerial ace yes what move do you want to delete boom are you sure yes one two three ta-da Rowlet has learned aerial ace in this game it just tells you Rowlet has learned a new move at any time, you don't even have to go to a Pokemon Center. There are none. But at any time, you go into the menu, you highlight the Pokemon, and you can change its moves on the fly. All four of them. You can swap them in and out as you see fit. All right, I like that. that that's a nice touch. It's great. And it's, change. The, the, the issue with it is sometimes I forget that they learn new moves, so I don't change them, like, ever. My Gastrodon has, like, the same four moves it always has. But, like, the option to, like, do that... And then to like complete the Pokedex, it tells you use Aerial Ace five times. You're like, oh shit, I should probably get Aerial Ace on this Pokemon. And I just boom, open the menu like that, like butter, change the moves. It's great. I love that. I love that there's not a lot of trainer battles. This game is not about battling. It is about building the first ever Pokedex, exploring, mining, crafting, catching, and doing missions and side quests. It's not about battling to be the best. And I love that that's that it's fresh new thing. I fucking breeze through new Pokemon games. I avoid trainers when I play BDSP. I avoided trainers because I don't have time. I don't care about grinding. This is a completely different thing. So I love that. Uh, I love that it runs on its own day night cycle and not 
your the time of day. I can only play it at certain times. AK, yeah, I was gonna say, you're, you're always going to be playing it at night. Exactly. So I would yeah. never be able to catch shit that's available in the day. This game does a full day in about 30 minutes. So 15 uh, daytime, 15 night. So you can constantly do that. And if you'd like, you can go to your base camp and fall asleep until a certain time. And then you can just wake up and night it's nighttime. So if you wanted to do something only available at night, you could literally control that. I love nice. that quality of uh, improvement as well. Um, I talked about this already. Side quests are awesome. And I'm such a side quest whore. The rewards aren't great, but to me, it's about the journey, not about the reward. I love it. Hey, this Pokemon, I saw it in the wild. It has three leaves on the top of its head. Can you go catch it and show me? And that's it. How many Pokemon have leaves? hundred, you know, like, so yeah. you got to figure out what they're talking about. Okay. Three leaves, the top of its head, Badoo, no. Tangle, no shit. Let me go find it. And they don't even give you a hint or a name. They just tell you that one little thing and you got to go do it. Uh, I love that. Like the way they structure these side missions, there's a flame at the top of a tree. Can you go find it? Oh, cool. It's a chimchar. Like I didn't know that. I thought it was just, you know, maybe it's something, but it's a chimchar. So I, I love that. Really, really cool side quests. Um, it's, it's pretty handholdy for the first hour because it is a completely different experience. This is not. Here's your starter. I'm the professor. Go eat, beat eight gyms. So they do hold your hand for the first hour. They give you some uh, some freedom. You can actually just say fuck the tutorial and just go do your own thing pretty quickly. But it is typical. But after that first hour or so, there's not much hand holding. They just give you the freedom to go do whatever you want. I didn't beat the first boss, which yours you rank up. Uh, you can rank up as a trainer up to level ten. You're supposed to beat the first boss at level one, maybe two. I was level three because I just wanted to go and do things. I didn't beat the first boss for 10 hours. Yeah, so, but by the time you got to him, you were prepared and probably whooped his ass. Oh, I whooped that ass. I whooped that ass. But the point is, I just didn't care. I don't yeah. want to play the missions for the story yet. I want to explore the world and do these fun side quests and meet these cr- crazy characters. And like a Mr. Mime is doing a mime thing in the village, but he put a big uh, invisible box around himself. So you can't get to him and you have to do an invisible wall maze to get to the Mr. Mime. So you can kick him out of the village. Like that's like the, that's the fun shit I want to do. That's it's nice to me. I I really like that a lot. Um, Boss battles are completely different. They aren't go to a gym and defeat these three Pokemon. It is this Pokemon's going fucking nuts. He's going to kill you. They literally tell you at one point of the game, <laughs> the woman who's like the, the, your kind of boss, your commander, she goes, she goes, if you die out there, that's it. We're not helping you. You're dead. And I was like, they said that in a Pokemon game. Jesus. Uh, the, the protagonist is 15, not 10 like normal. So this is made for the 14 year old. This is like not the, not the most advanced Pokemon game of all time, but it is definitely not for like the, the five year old. They talk about a lot of heavy shit. Uh, in this like it's pretty fucked but the boss battles man you go out there and they're just trying to chop your head off and like throw rocks on your head and they will kill you and you have to dodge them and then you have to throw shit at them and then you have to kill them with your poke and then it runs like it's a completely different it's an actual boss battle it's got a health meter what tell me a pokemon that doesn't have an hp it actually has health like that doesn't happen so that one's really really neat uh i my favorite experience so far was I um, was hunting Ponyta 
and I really needed a fire. I did not go with Cyndaquil. I did not go with the fire starter. I went with Rallet, the the grass starter. And so I needed a fire type. So I went and hunted a bunch of Ponyta. And the goal of the game is to complete your Pokedex. And you complete the Pokedex not just by catching one. That doesn't do it. You have to do, you have to get it to, we'll call it research level 10. And you get research levels by doing different things. Catching it. Catching it from behind where it can't see you. Feeding it food. Using certain moves. You know, whatever the case may be. So there's a whole bunch of different things you have to accomplish before it's considered uh, recorded in your Pokedex. Part of that was I needed to go catch a couple Ponyta that were heavier than normal. So I'm out there hunting Ponyta, da-da-da-da-da. And I see this new kind of uh, rock that I'd never seen before. So I was like, let me go mine that. So two Ponyta are drinking water at a, at a spring, and this this rock thing is over there. So I instantly... Uh, I'm behind a, a tree. I throw a Pokeball at the first one immediately because there's no cutscene or nothing. I throw a Pokeball at the second one and I take out my Zubat and I throw it at the rock and I get the mining and I caught one of the Ponyta and the other one broke out and ran. And then I engaged it in a battle all without a cutscene, all without a loading screen, all without stopping. Literally at the same time, I caught a Pokemon, I battled another one and I mined for, for equipment all at the same time. And it blew my mind of the freedom that it gives you. And so now I'm just like feeding Pokemon to try and get them near each other. So I can try to do that move again. Boom, boom, catch this, catch that, mine this, do this, get this out of a tree, find this. It's just so refreshing and rewarding. And that loop is so addicting. Does any of what I said surprise you? It kind of reminded you of Pokemon Snap a little bit. That it's kind of you, different... you throwing stuff and getting in the feed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I had that. I thought that's just the kind of vibe I'm feeling. Yeah, think of if if uh, Jin Sakai had a camera. <laughs> it's it's not, it's nuts how much freedom this game gives you, while still making you feel like you're constantly progressing, constantly getting better. So it's no surprise that I am adoring this game. What is a surprise is that everybody else is, and when the seven that I saw on IGN is the literal lowest thing I have seen on the internet about this game. You know it's in good hands when Jeff Grubb, Mike Minotti, Alana Pierce, all the Poketubers, like that, they never agree on anything. They hate Pokemon worse than anybody because they do it for a living. They all love it. A Drive, John, uh, Austin John, M and J, Sarah B, Birdkeeper Toby, um, uh, Rogers Base. Like they're yeah. just loving it. You said IGN gave the seven out of ten. GameSpot eight out of ten. Game Informer eight. 0.75 out of 10. The lowest I see here is, was it juxvideo.com gave it a 16 out of 20. That's is the that lowest a, I see. But that equates to a 4 out of 5, which equates to an 8 yeah. out of 10. Metacritic, 84 out of 100. That's good. That's really good. I didn't know yeah. that. And that's getting drugged down by a 7 for my gen. It'd probably be yeah. an 85. That's a really good Metacritic score. Good for that game, dude. That's going to, that just... It makes it do even better. I just hope that it doesn't get overshadowed by the February releases. And when it comes to game of the year at the end of the year, I hope it gets a couple of nods because of what it did for the formula. And, you know, there's going to be some bangers coming out this year. So I hope that it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. But it's neat that everybody I see unanimously loves this game. Shinies are a lot, excuse me, a lot easier to get. A lot easier. And that's appealing for me. One of the side quests is to go catch one. So it's almost like the Red Gyarados and Silver. 
uh, and gold and silver, you're forced to catch a shiny ponyta with the beautiful blue flames instead of the red. And so like, that's become one of my favorite that I have, even though it's everybody's going to have one. I, I just love shiny ponyta. So there are a ton of things to do, but it's not without its blemishes. Obviously no game is perfect. It's not without its flaws. Even one of my favorite games, top five of all time. The last of us part two has plenty of bugs. Uh, this game doesn't have, um, I mentioned it last week from like impressions. And now that I've seen it on the screen, I can confirm when a Pokemon is far away and it's moving, it looks like a stop motion animation, 1950s Christmas special. Yeah. I, I heard the same thing. It's really rough. There's a random ass Gyarados that flies in circles around the sky. If that's not the breath of the wild dragon, I don't know what is, but like when it's making its loop away from you, it's moving like this and I can't fucking stand it. Uh, and like the Onyx is on the ground as I'm flying and all this other stuff. It can look really rough at times. We're talking about a cartridge based game, but there's no real excuse there. Uh, that to me is a little bit of a lack of polish. Just don't show me them. Just get them out of my field of view. Take them away. Why are you going to give me the stuttery ones? Just, just pop them out. Like, I don't want to see yeah. that. Um, there is a lot of pop in that can be a little bit distracting. So as you're flying, the world kind of comes in view or as you're riding weird deer, like things kind of pop in at you. And if you're somebody who pays extra attention to that, that can be pretty, pretty distracting at times. Some of the textures are really blurry. So like, for example, the commander Commodo, his head looks amazing. The bottom of his, like his sandals and like from his knees down are incredibly detailed, but from like his torso up to his shoulders, his entire uniform is a blurry mess. You can't even read the writing on it. It's so weird. That's, I mean, like, I don't know if it was a stylistic choice or just pretty rough development, but like that is definitely weird. Um, I think they want you to focus in on things. So they make that crystal clear, but so I think it was like kind of intentional, but to me, probably not the right move uh, there, but they're trying to save memory and space wherever they can, I guess. Uh, some people's costumes look really dumb. Um, I don't love that. The Pokemon battles when they do happen are just bloody easy as shit. I've only fucking battled one person so far who's had two Pokemon. Like, see, I don't know, that that kind of dry, I don't know. I I love Pokemon battles, so that that's one little negative for me that I, I would I would want more Pokemon battles. I mean, you can make them yourself. There are alpha Pokemon out in the wild with the red eyes that go after you, and they're giant versions and like. They're like level 45 when you're level 20. So if you were looking for something to battle and really kind of fuck with, that's cool because those alpha call on the little guys and they come help you. So then it, or help them. So then it becomes an actual battle. But like the other trainers, now granted, there are no trainers yet. Trainers don't exist. So like that, I don't expect people to have full competitive teams, but I fought somebody uh, 10 hours into the game on the seventh mission after I beat the first boss and they had a Togepi and a Gibble, two baby Pokemon. One person had a Pikachu and a, oh gosh, I can't remember a Munchlax or something like that. Like there aren't, there's no challenge there. I don't expect there to be because trainers don't exist, but I really hope as I progress the battles, when they do happen, they get a little bit more challenging because they're right now a little bit of a waste of time for me. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, um, how do I do it without spoiling it? 
I feel like, and I'm sure there's a twist, but I feel like in the opening two seconds, they might have spoiled the ending a little bit. And I really hope that that's not the case because I don't know how many people play Pokemon games for their story, but this is one of those rare exceptions where you should because it's not go get ape chip, you know, badges to become the champion. It is, there is a fucking story here. You, you know, you are not who you think you are or you're supposed to be. I, I, gosh, I can't really say much more than that. But I think the 8.75, what'd you say? GameSpot, I think, gave him that. Game Informer. Game Informer gave an 8.75. That's probably where I land. It's not a 10 out of 10 for me, but the negatives don't necessarily detract from how much fun I'm having, how much I think about this when I'm not playing it. And it is the most addictive Pokemon game I've ever played and probably the most addictive Pokemon game I have played since the original Snap. That's, to me, how addicting it is. Might not be the best, might not come down to be the best, but I sure am having the best fucking time I've had since playing Sword and Shield. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're loving it, and you didn't waste all these years getting hyped for it, and it was garbage. So I'm glad to hear it, brother. Yeah, I'm glad to hear everybody's loving it, too. It's like, that's just great to know that I'm not alone. Now, next up, a game that I'm surprised you even had time to get an impression of. What'd you think of Uncharted Legacy of Thieves? Yeah, this is the PS5 version of Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy combined about 22-hour experience, 15 for 4, 7 for Lost Legacy. I'm about two and a half hours into Uncharted 4. I didn't play Lost Legacy yet. I got the $10 upgrade. If you own Uncharted 4 or Lost Legacy on PS4, you can upgrade for $10 uh, to this, and you get both for $10, not $10 each. So it's an easy call for me. Like That's what I want. And so I'm not here to talk about the games. They're five and four years old. Like we know these games already. I'm here to talk about the improvements and then the things that are missing. There is no multiplayer aspect. So the, the multiplayer that shipped with Uncharted 4, it's not here, which is definitely that sucks for a $10 upgrade for me. Not the worst. I don't play multiplayer, but I know a lot of people like it. And so that's not available. Um, I'm looking at frame rate i'm looking at uh visual improvements and there definitely are i'm obsessed with this performance plus mode and that's the thing i want to spend a minute on here um if you haven't played on charter 4 i mean it's worth it it gets the knock for me because they introduce a brother for no fucking reason and i hate that i always have always will but from a gameplay standpoint it's probably the best of the series maybe maybe overshadowed by two two is just a revolutionary title uh, but you play this game at 60 FPS when the original PS4 version was locked at 30. Wow. How much smoother it looks. And I decided to turn my refresh rate from 60 to 120 Hertz on my TV and unlock performance plus mode, which is, I believe 1080, but 120 frames per second on an 85 inch 4k TV. Obviously the 4k doesn't matter because it's only 1080, but Point being, 120 frames per second, you feel like you're in a psychedelic trance. It You've seen shit on like an OLED 60 yeah. FPS TV oh, yeah. where like you feel like it's super real because of the refresh rate so high on the TV. Dude, yeah, play, like, is this a play? Dude, playing yeah. Uncharted 4 in 120 frames per second. I don't and the think, speed of the PS5, there's probably no load times. No, there's, dude, there's nothing. Very little, if any. I can't go back to 60 FPS on this title. I, I got to stick with 120, even though I don't get the highest resolution possible. To me, that smoothness of play 
made it so much fun. When I am young Nathan Drake and I'm at the orphanage or wherever and I'm climbing up the walls at night to meet Sam so we can do, go do our thing, I'm climbing up those walls like my fucking Indiana Jones. I loved it, dude. So uh, some knocks on these things that are, are and are not included, but from a performance standpoint, 10 bucks, very well spent. It's good to hear. Next up, we had the review for Dying Light 2. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this, and I'm gonna when I'm done reading this, I'll turn it over to you because I haven't spent a damn second in this world yet. I haven't looked at anything outside of watching one review for it. So I have the review for it, and then I believe you said you you caught a little bit of it, right? Yeah, I watched a, a lot of peers, I think, played the first 20 minutes on our YouTube. Cool. So I'll read the review and then and then hand it over to you. In another I'm sorry, another in a long series of big, ambitious games whose potential greatness is visible just beneath a grimy layer of bugs, Dying Light 2 Stay Human could very likely become the stellar zombie survival adventure it's meant to be. Someday. For now, though, it's uh, it's best added to your backlog unless your irritation with crashes and technical issues are outweighed by the eagerness to do rooftop parkour, which when everything works is an unforgettable way to explore the city. No patch can forget, uh, fix the forgettable main story and the unlikable protagonist. I couldn't pick out of a police lineup after 80 hours, but dying light two streets tell their own story. I mean, he just butchered. It. I, I think IGN gave it a seven though. Yeah, they did. And then I think that's kind of where most people are is at six, seven range yeah. for the parkour and the movement being excellent, but the story being trash and it's very, very buggy. Yeah, I was gonna, even the beginning. Like you were talking about movement. I, just the first, again, I only saw the first twenty minutes gameplay. I thought it looked like a little buggy. It, it, it just didn't flow. I, I mean, I, I don't really feel like I need even need to play a, a, a zombie outbreak outbreak game anyway. I don't know. It, it just like like clogged up or something. Like it, it's like again, maybe another game that they rushed out. Maybe they, they didn't want to delay it anymore. I mean, I guess what this dying light came out with 2015. Uh, I guess that's enough time for a sequel. I, I don't know. Th- this one's definitely a hard pass for me. And I, it, it's funny, like that guy butchered it. Game Informer gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Dude, Game Informer, Andrew Reiner, I love your your opinions. I appreciate your publication. But he went on Twitter, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. This is all subjective. He's allowed to feel however he wants to feel. But he went on Twitter saying, this is a can't-miss game. Got to play it, da-da-da-da-da, which is fine. I like games that nobody else does. But, like, nobody is giving it the time of day from a story perspective, and he's sitting here saying how good the story is. I just wonder if that is because everybody else is going down on it. You so he swerved and went right. That's where I'm at. Not a, I'm not one of those people who thinks people get paid off. We work with video game companies on this podcast. I know you don't get paid to give good reviews. You give honest impressions. I've gotten a few emails from a few PR companies yeah. that are like, so you didn't like it. I'm like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to our Which listeners. I find interesting. I see on uh, Metacritic PC, they give 99 or 79% Xbox 78 and the PS5 got 77 got the lowest. Hmm. I, I haven't looked into it enough to know why that would be. I mean, I guess the PC gets the highest because, I mean, the PCs are monsters. Yeah, that, PC I get, but the PS5 or the Xbox kind of don't make sense. Yeah, that's like a cyberpunk thing where cyberpunk on console just didn't play, I mean, well yeah. at all. So, um, 
Yeah, this is a title that when, the second they came out with that fucking terrible tweet that said this game's going to take you 500 hours. I was like, <laughs> my, my anxiety just told me I am out. And then they're like, no, 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 no. 30 to 80. I'm like, uh, squeeze me. It, it, it's like I, I barely made ghosts. God dang. Yeah. I'm out. You want me to put 100 hours into Pokemon and then you want me to go play Dying Light 2, which is just an anxiety attack for me because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, nah. So I'm going to pass on this one. I don't think I'm ever going to pick it up as much as I like. I, much, I, I liked the original Dying Light. I didn't love it enough to think that a sequel was warranted. Talk about a game I'm probably never going to pick up. We, we've said it for a while now. Suicide Squad kills the Justice League has reportedly been delayed until 2023. Jason Schreier from Bloomberg says that uh, WB very quietly has delayed this title. I'm waiting for the Facebook post that says we need more time to polish it. Um, How it you, you haven't even showed his gameplay. No, nah, and I don't believe for a second that the gameplay they showed us at the Game Awards was actual gameplay. Wow. I didn't see a HUD. I didn't see controls. I just saw things in engine, and that's yep. a completely different beast. Um, we said from the second this game we was announced, in, yeah, in gen, we saw the what three different trailers of just in in engine, no, no nothing, right? Wow. And and well, the the first one was a CG trailer. They're yeah. from twenty uh, twenties. What's that called? DC Fandom. Um, yeah. So. Like, we've had three looks at this game. When it first got announced, it got announced the same day as Gotham Knights at the original DC Fandom, and th- they both had 2022. We came on the pod either that night or the next day or whenever the hell we came on, and we literally said both of those games are not launching same year. Um, maybe even Knights said 2021, and this one said 2022, I think. But I said I saw them both getting delayed, and that's been the case so far. Knights is now... Somewhere in two half twenty two, and this game's going to be in twenty three if we're lucky. Rocksteady's been working on it for six years. It's going to be seven, fellas. Like strap in. This is a game I'm excited for. This is a game I want. This is a game I want to play. But I still don't know what I'm getting. And now you're just telling me I have to wait longer with no context. And you're not even telling me that. Jason Schreier in a Bloomberg article is telling me that. I was looking for some more transparency here. That gives me some some bad vibes. If they're going to delay this quietly, to me. Not a good sign, but called it from the fucking day one. Nailed it. MLB The Show 22 got a release date of April 5th, but is also making its Nintendo Switch debut. And I want to, I made a joke to you when this was announced, so it's finally coming to Switch for the first time ever. That's great. I said, I bet you it'll be the PS3 version. And I laughed. (laughs) Yeah. But I I just don't think to play baseball on Nintendo Switch. But the more, well, I put 155 hours into Super Mega Baseball 3. It was my number one most played game in 2020 and 2021. So I'm I'm loving the baseball on the Switch. I love sports games, especially like in my leisure time up in bed. It's a nice, relaxing way to end the day. And you're telling me now I get to play with actual Major League players. I've been waiting for this forever. So I'm psyched, but. I laughed when I said that to you. I said like <laughs> 20, whatever I said, PS3 version. I forgot this for years came to Vita. So they know how to down, downscale this game for a true handheld, not even a hybrid. I have a little bit more faith than I thought I did in the Switch version. I think it will be like somewhere between the Vita and PS3 like somewhere in there, probably closer to PS3, if they can get The Witcher running and <laughs> yeah. Doom, they can get Doom Eternal running on this. They can get fucking the show. I just have a real bad feeling that I'm going to be in like three minute loading screens. Um, 
But like to be able to do a my player where I take them through the minor leagues and just do all that and on the go in my handheld, that's very appealing. And if this game came to PS2 and PS3 and PS Vita while the PS4 version was being made, I actually have some faith that this is going to work out. It's coming to Game Pass as well. Day one, just like last year, they're continuing this new tradition of it being available now on Game Pass. But if you gave me the option of paying $60 for it on the Switch or playing on Game Pass, which one do you think I'm going to take? Of course you're going to get Game Pass. Nah, I'm doing the $60 Switch version. Oh, I'm going to forego it on Game Pass this year because it forces, okay. me, to, it forces me to play it on my TV. Where I'd rather, ah, gotcha. I'd, I'd rather play the handheld experience. So I'm paying sixty dollars to go play this in my bed. That's where I'm at with uh, MLB <laughs> the Show 2022. <laughs> Shohei Otani, the cover athlete, well deserved. He's the best thing baseball has right now. Go Otani, son. Looks like Netherrealm leaked Mortal Kombat 12. They are not dumb. They had it was a f- picture or a video from one of the producers. He's like, look at my at home setup, and in the corner it says. Mortal Kombat 12 in development now or whatever. It's, 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 in a, it's in a whiteboard. The game I'm working on next, Mortal Kombat 12 circled. It's it's really, really obvious, and they yeah. do it twice. So, like, NetherRealm knew that they were doing that. I would expect this game gets officially announced before E3. Wow, that fast, huh? I mean, it, feels I think like, th- it feels like 11 just came out. It does. It feels. I think it was 19, but it feels like 2021. Yeah, it really does. It feels like it came out last year. And really I does. bought the PS5 version. Um, of it and it came with aftermath and all that i spent 60 or 70 bucks on it i could have waited two weeks and gotten it off for 25 on sale but i'm i'm a little i'm a little uh impatient um and so i'm psyched on this i personally think we're getting this announcement not release but announcement before e3 for a mid 2023 release it's tricky in today's world when you release when you announce a game and have to wait a year a lot of companies are doing like two months to six months max from announcement to release. But Mortal Kombat 12 has a good head on its shoulders. They like to do a lot of the community feedback. They like to do a lot of combat casts, I believe they're called, where they show off new characters. And I think for a fighting game, a year is fine because like once a month, you can give us a new character. You can give us a new stage, yeah. a new fatality. Smash Bros. did it really well. Mortal Kombat's going to learn from that. I'm thinking in April to May, unveiling for an April to May 23 release. That's my guess. We got a 30-minute Gran Turismo 7 state of play. I'm going to kick this one to you. I need a drink. I've been talking a lot. What did you think of how Gran Turismo 7 is shaping up? I I just thought it looked okay. I mean, I, I feel like meteorologists will love this game. I, I think <laughs> that, that that's going to be their game to go to. It, I would say Forza was way more impressive. I was way more impressed with their visuals. Um I I, I I'm probably out on getting Grand I, I really haven't dug into a Grand Turismo game since uh probably the, the two and three. They were they were the ones that I played the most. But I, I just thought it looked okay. But nothing that, that just wowed me. It was good. They showed my GTR. It's good to see that. It's it's cool that yeah, I guess there's two modes where you can kinda you know, pick your cars or you can start from the bottom and build your car. Like that's neat, but I, I don't know. N- nothing about it. wowed me. I, <clears throat> I'm not a car head. Like yeah. it's not something I'm passionate about is automobiles. This game is built for people that are passionate about cars. Forza and weather. 
Right. Forza, you get in, you drive around an open world in Mexico, and you have fun with it. You customize, you can tune your car, da da da. Forza takes that, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Gran Turismo takes that sim almost to another level, and you, you can get really in the weeds. You can in Forza too, but Gran Turismo really takes pride in that. I mean, they take 15 years to develop a fucking game for a reason. Yeah. See, I am I'm on the opposite end. I thought this looked goddamn stunning. Oh, the cars themselves look great. People are online saying that, like furries, people now want to fuck cars because of the oh, state Jesus of play. God. I was laughing really hard at some of the, the jokes that came out of the state of play. But what didn't grab me was everything else. I've said it before on this podcast. They said this game was going to be a launch title. If it was, it would be in my library right now, and I would be actively playing it. Because when I get a new console, I want those amazing-looking games, and nothing looks better than racing games because you don't have enemies and worlds and NPCs and missions. You just make the tracks and the cars beautiful. And they missed that window by literally a year and a half. So I'm out. You've missed me as a consumer. Nothing's going to get me back in that Forza. The only reason I played it and liked it is because I had it on game pass, but because I just played Forza for 25 hours on game pass, I have literally zero, zero need to go into another racing yeah. game. This is not my thing right now. No, I, I agree with you. Just something that we're just going to let it drive on by roll down <laughs> our windows and wave into our top three. We go into our top three favorite racing games. Doesn't have to be the best. Could be wacky ones. Could be our favorite ones. Could be the best ones. However, we wanted to take it with our top three favorite racing games. Funny that number three is Gran Turismo 2 for PS1 for me. I still remember getting it in 1999 for Christmas. Uh, this way, again, Gran Turismo, I would say two and three I played the most, but I think I have to go with two being my favorite one. I, I just like that you can go, like, I don't need to level up. Like, you, you could if you wanted to, but you could just go pick your car and race. Um, I know, the, the, I think it's one of the best received Gran Turismo games. Metacritic has a 93%. I think it's like e- the highest rated racing game of all time. I mean, e- EGM gave it a 10 out of 10. Edge gave it a 9 out of 10. I mean, IGN gave it a 9.8 out of 10. What do you just give it see? Just Get out of here. Just give it a 10. So, I mean, this Round is like, up. when you say race is a game, this is the one that I, I, I would say kind of started my like, little bit of when I was younger in the racing game. I have a number three that's valid. I also have a number three that I feel like you're going to disqualify. So, like, I'm going to give you the one I think you could disqualify because if in a perfect world, that would be my number three. But I don't know if you consider it a, f- a true racing game. Um, am I allowed to say for my number three, because it has a race mode where you primarily race, and it's not cars. Am I allowed to use 1080 snowboarding? You know, it's funny. It was almost on my list and I'll allow it. Thank you. I, it's funny because I, I was thinking that. I was thinking Sonic. There was a lot of good fun games that I remember playing. So, yeah. Great I, I didn't play 1080 snowboarding for the trick attack. I played it for the time attack and for the racing because landing tricks in 1080 was tough. You had to balance your yeah. board and land the right way and you fell over a lot. SSX, while you could race in it, and that was a huge part of the game literally the name of the most popular one was tricky because they wanted you to trick out so that's why i kept that one off and went with 1080 because i primarily played 1080 for the racing and i was ricky winterborn and kensuke kemachi i loved that game it would have been rc pro-am on the nes if you would have disallowed it but i'm sticking with 1080 snowboarding not cars but really intense races really hard Really yeah. hard for the Man, I, I haven't played 1080 snowboarding in so many freaking years. Work God, your body, we'll work your body. 
Work your body, get down. Great, great soundtrack. And uh, my my number two, it, it's my classic. It's Mario Kart in sixty four. It's again, that's Sh- a, a oh, I know your number. One. I thought that had been your one. Nah, I I I I thought back a lot of kind of you know handheld or if it was arcade, which way I was going to take it. Like I, I could have had Crash Team Racing. I left that off the list. I was I didn't want to have Crash and Mario Kart. I felt like it was it was one or the other. So. Again, there, there was so much that shit. I almost had 1080 snowboarding like you. It was just what did I have fun the most playing and just having your boys around, having races. When we were younger, older, we still played it. Funny that official Nintendo magazine gave it a 98%. I just thought that was funny. Because <laughs> um, you know, I'm just looking at all the ratings. It's like 8 out of 10, 8 out of 10, 6.4 out of 10. Just, you know, Nintendo life, 9 out of 10. It, it just it's funny to me. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the third best Mario Kart game ever made. You can't go wrong there. But my number two- I, I did make a note when I do get the Switch. Hopefully, I can update my list of having the newer Mario Kart and maybe Mario Kart Eight or Eleven can be my best rather than going like the number second one that they ever freaking released. And and listen, my favorite Mario Kart of all time is my number two, and that's Mario Kart Double Dash on yeah. the Nintendo GameCube. I will shout from the heavens that this is the best. At least my favorite Mario Kart. Mario Kart 8 is probably the technically most great, like the best Mario Kart ever. But to me, Double Dash, it did a one-time thing. You never saw this again. Two two players in a cart switching freely between them where they each have their own special items. And to me, I was always Baby Mario and Baby Luigi. Baby Luigi. That's what I liked. I just enjoyed that combo. And at the same time, my number one, I bought a racing wheel for it. And that racing wheel had Xbox, GameCube, oh and PlayStation control ports to it. So I used the GameCube uh, adapter and it had a race wheel that locked around your thighs, if you remember that. And it had an analog or a, uh, a shifter on it. And so I would actually race Mario Kart Double Dash with TJ all the time in my room and we would use the driving wheel instead of the controller and the other person would be stuck using controller. I have the best memories for me of Double Dash. I think it's got the best tracks. I think it's got the tightest racing, the best gimmick. Of the series, I think you know Mario Kart 64 was in 3D, which is amazing. Mario Kart 8, the anti gravity is really not my style, but the tracks are undeniably great. Double Dash is the complete package for me. It's my number two. Both of our number ones. For me, I'll go initial D arcade stage two. Eight, me too. Stage two specifically, it is the best initial D has ever been. I mean, who who doesn't want to go downhill, Akina, hard to wet? And have a little bit of fun. Was it know, hard two? Akina was yeah. two. I thought Akagi uh, no, was two. I thought Akina was hard one. Akagi was hard one. Akina was hard two, and then Expert two was Horokaza. <laughs> and you could go uphill or downhill in that one. I used to race Blaze. Rest his soul. Yeah. Like, uh, again, I, like this is a game. Like when Franklin Mills, there was actually people. You'd have to put quarters on the machine of, of who's going next because there was always a line. Yeah. By the um, way, this is my number one as well for everybody out there. Yeah. And like, I, 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 unfortunately, I don't have my uh, stage two cards. I have the newest stage out now, which is my, my GTR. Um, I haven't been to uh, Exton in a little bit. Little round one. I haven't been there since probably. Machi? I don't think they're going to ever build the one in the Shaman. No, it, it got canceled. I I meant to tell you that. I dug in. They dropped it. Once COVID and all hit, every, yeah. all them plans went kaput. And I don't know if you've been in the Shaman since. It is an absolute ghost town. It's the worst. We went there very recently. Honestly, we were- it's it's bad when Franklin Mills 
is doing better than the Chamonix. Yeah. That's so rough. yeah, the Chamonix doesn't have long in this world. We, uh, if you're out there thinking like cards, what are these guys talking about with cards? Initial D, it was an arcade racer. So I imported it from Japan for my PlayStation 2. I modded my PS2. So I actually brought that experience home with us, which was great. Great anime, great all of that. Mangas were fantastic. We sucked into this world like crazy. But we're not talking about playing cards like traditional playing cards. Initial D st- stood itself out because for a dollar, you put in a dollar and you cu- you basically bought a car. You could name the card, whatever you want, Greg, Greg 2, Sam, whatever you wanted. Yeah. And you basically buy the car. So we had different cards for uh, uh, an, 80, an 86 and a GTR and a Skyline and an RX-7 and a WRX. And we would basically, you could level up that card and you put the card in before your race. And if you want a bunch of races, you level up and you get stars on the card. And it was like almost... When you put that card, because we used to put our cards up on there too, not just the quarters, that would tell you who the fuck you're about to race because the person who won got to race again for free and the other person had to pay the dollar. So like it was revolutionary from a competitive, from a cooperative, and from a single player race standpoint. You want to talk about a quarter muncher, that's what this game was. How our parents gave us all them quarters back in the day. (laughs) I was lucky, man. I had a job working. A, I, I worked a cash job. I was under the table. I literally took. You were the only one. Yeah, you were the only one. I took my $8 an hour and I bought a skateboard and initial D. That's what I did. That's and the I used only that two, two bucks for a couple initial D runs. And I would get some Arizona iced teas for a dollar at the fucking bookstore or the manga store down the way. I would buy the latest initial D DVD, the Tokyo Pop versions, which I still have all of them in working order in my garage as we speak. It's Initial D, man, I got great memories of Tony Hawk and Pokemon and all of that. But the most fun video game era of my life was me, you, Machi, and sometimes even Jim going over to uh, Time Out and Franklin Miller and playing Initial D. And and remember, when we used to play each other, the winner, you get that free play. So either you're going to race one of your boys again or you're like, all right, cool. I'll finally you know go forward it with the story mode and like oh you know up, upgrade my car yeah and dude we made enemies like i that this guy blaze we're talking about he was like just this older dude who was like a burnout type guy i saw him on the wildwood boardwalk randomly years later waiting for the Nor- great nor'easter whatever ride that was and it's just like holy shit this is my arcade enemy good guy in real life friendly in real life but like you looked forward to seeing your rivals there we went there on a friday night the place was packed out you felt like a boss I fucking, when I turned that wheel, my head hit the floor. Uh, I turned that wheel so fucking hard. (laughs) Like those memories, the only games, the only two games that compare to Initial D are Pokemon and Gunbound from a memories standpoint. So this game is so special to me, not only just from a racing game, but from a chapter of our lives that I'll never forget. My current wife, my wife has been at that arcade when we were 12 and 13 years old watching us play man greatest memories was initial d it's just by far the good old days by far the best racing game at least for me not only my favorite but i think it truly is one of the best playing racing games of all time obviously if it was both our number ones moving on we got three stories left in gaming ghostwire tokyo got a release date and gameplay showcase March 25th. It's a timed exclusive to PS5. It's now owned by Microsoft, so like 
That's why it's a timed exclusive and not just a PS5 exclusive. Nine minutes of gameplay, nine minutes of interviews. It looks creepy as shit. The enemies look crazy. There's this monster with massive human teeth. It's so weird. But I'm just not there. I get some Bioshock vibes from it. I'm just not there. I'm not really in on a lot of, of PlayStation and Xbox games coming out in the first. We're, we're just waiting season. for we're waiting for God of War. We're gonna be God, real. God of War, Gotham Knights, Sonic Frontiers. Like I'm waiting for Kirby. Like that game looks badass. Like there's there's a lot. 2022 is gonna be a great year when we're all said and done. But for me, it's probably closer to that second half of the year than the first. This is this was not something that resonated with me. Nintendo and Sony both held their quarterly earnings report with some big results. Yeah, we'll start with Sony. They sold uh, about 17.5 million PS5s, which is fine. Uh, the PS4 at this time of the same like same point in the life cycle had over 20. But the difference being, and Sony, they, they lost this quarter. Like, this was not a great quarter for them from a PlayStation perspective. Hey man, that chip shortage is fucking them. They could have been three, yeah. four million more positive, and we could be talking a much bigger story here. And it's crazy because the price on eBay are still ridiculous. But when you look at sold listings, like people want them so bad, they're they'll pay for it. They're paying almost double. Yeah, and and like I, I truly think Sony is hurting themselves because they are not releasing first party software at a pretty good clip. Like you think Uncharted is a real big deal. It's it's a remaster of two PS4 games. So like yeah. without without the multiplayer. There's not a ton. Now, we're in February. Horizons around the corner. People are already buzzing about it. Elden Ring, Sifu. So lots of things coming. Ghostwire Tokyo. So like lots of things on the horizon, pardon the pun, coming for PlayStation. So I'm expecting a better Q4 and as we move into to fiscal 22 around April, I'm expecting a better end to their year and beginning of the new year for them. Um, and I truly hope that this, which I don't think it will, but this uh, chip shortage and this uh, semiconductor, I think it is shortage yeah, really sorts itself out because like, we're lucky we have PS fives. Cause I don't know if mine broke, if I could find a new one, quite frankly. Yeah. We'd be waiting. I think at least a year. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo also had theirs. Shit, Activision had theirs. They're making more Call of Duty games because Call of Duty didn't sell well, so they're doubling down and making more. So that's a good strategy. Um, <laughs> good I'm, luck. I'm happy Xbox bought them. Um, Nintendo also had theirs. They have announced that the Nintendo Switch has officially passed the Nintendo Wii with 103.5 million units sold and that's of as of december so we have the last two months to go off of or month and a half i should say so it's probably right around 104 right now it is now the biggest selling nintendo home console of all time which is great um it only has the think the ds and maybe the game boy to pass in terms of being you know the greatest system or best-selling system of all time and it's still probably got three or four years left so it's got a chance i don't think it's going to touch the ds or the game or Definitely not going to touch the DS, which is the number one, but 104 million units. It just sold or it just passed the PS one as well. So a great milestone. If you think about it this way, it's going to end up selling four more times the amount of units as the PlayStation as the N64. Like that's wild to me. I know it's crazy that 64 to get the love. It really is, man. And GameCube didn't even GameCube is worse than that. GameCube is 21 million. The Wii U is 13 million. Fuck, the PS5 has already sold outsold the Wii U. 
the like the first year of the PS5 shortages in a chip shortage (laughs) has outsold the lifetime of the Wii U, which I think is a criminally underrated console. It's literally 20 feet from where I sit. I love that console. Uh, Great, great thing. But nobody bought it because it was just the naming convention and all that. But congrats to the switch. But that's and those are cool numbers. But for me, it's about the software. I want to know about where the the games are at in terms of sales. So Metroid Dread officially will become the best-selling Metroid game of all time. It's just about to hit that 3 million mark, which 2.9 would make it the number one. So good for Metroid Dread. Um, new Pokemon Snap underperforming a little bit. Only 2.3 million copies sold, which is good. I- I'm kind of shocked, though. I would expect that a little bit more, to be honest. That was, like, I would say one of the Nintendo games that surprised me the most with its sales. Yeah, and the the original did 3.1 or 3.2 on the N64, which only sold 30 million. So, like, somebody tweeted to me and said they don't count Japan sales. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't, I just flat out don't believe you. Um, so, give me, an, give me a source or, or I'm just going to stick with my numbers here because that's literally what Nintendo themselves published so it's not like they're making the shit up but um fucking mario party superstars five and a half million copies already game came out in october jesus like where are we at here the super mario party is up to to 17.3 million we could have two mario parties that sell 20 million copies when the switch is over like what world do we live in we all know that mario kart 8 deluxe is the number one selling switch game still do you want to take a guess at how many units? 40. 43.3. Jesus, God. If you take Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and put it in with Mario Kart 8's Wii U sales, you're over 50 million. So Mario Kart 8 has sold over 50 million copies. That's more than the Wii U's top 10 combined. Such a juggernaut. It's such a juggernaut. I don't see Mario Kart Crossroads or whatever they're calling it coming anytime soon, man. This game just continues to sell. Animal Crossing and New Horizons at number two at 37.6 million. Majority of that's still from that 2020 pop. Um, it has kind of slowed down pretty significantly. Yeah, so, but it, it made its money already. They're good. Exactly. They have been happy from with this from day one. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate up to 27 and a half million copies uh breath of the wild 25.8 million pokemon sword and shield 24 million super mario odyssey 23 million so just in that alone one two three four five six titles over 20 million and two over 30 um super mario party 17.3 pokemon let's go eevee and let's go pikachu 14.3 and right behind that Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl and two months have sold 14 million copies. Damn. You want to tell me Gen 4 is not one of the most popular gens? Because that shit is bonkers. Two months. Games came out in October. Or maybe even November. November. They came out in November. So you're talking a month and a half because this is as of December 31st. Jesus God. Dude, these games sold 14 million copies. When you think about that, they are already... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The 12th best-selling games in Pokemon history. Already more than Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Already more than Fire Red and Leaf Green. Already more than Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, Black, White, uh, Black and White 2, Platinum, Emerald, and Crystal. Crystal being the lowest-selling Pokemon game of all time at 6.3 million copies. Jeez. So, like, it's going to pass. Let's go, Eevee. 
probably already has at this point because it's been a month. It's going to pass Sun and Moon, which was 16.3 million copies by the end of the year. It could potentially pass X and Y, which was 16.5 million. I don't think it's going to hit Sword and Shield numbers uh, of like 24. Yeah, no, nah, no way. It has a chance to hit 20, but Legends Arceus might take away a little bit of that, and Legends might pick up a lot of that steam. But Sword and Shield have surpassed gold and silver. Gold and silver was 23.7. Sword and Shield is now 24 in two years. They've surpassed the lifetime sales of gold and silver. The only games that Sword and Shield haven't outsold are red and blue. Now, 24 million for Sword and Shield. They still have probably four years on the market, maybe, you know, until really they start to be discontinued or Gen 9 comes out in 2023 or whatever. So they're, they're running out of time here. Do you have any idea how many red and blue sold? I do not. 31.3 million. So they have about a, uh, we'll call it what, six, seven, eight, about 8 million Delta there. Do they pass red and blue? 8 million and let's call it two to two and a half years. You think? No. I I don't think anything could touch the original. 31.3 million is a phenomenon. I don't think we're there. I don't think Sword and Shield, but like, think about it, dude. The game in 2019, already the second highest selling Pokemon game of all time. That's kind of wild. Ring Fit Adventure is the 10th best selling Switch game of all time at 14 million copies of Ring Fit, a fucking exercise. It only makes sense, freaking Ring Fit. It's insane. So I won't go into all the rest of the numbers. There is one more I wanted to hit uh, Mario Golf Super Rush 2.26 million, which is actually respectable for a sports title and um warioware sold over a million so that's nice but just playstation software is gonna about to pick up business about to pick up big time as their first party titles start to roll out we don't know much about nintendo's 2022 outside of legends arceus and kirby but that's why i think it's direct season i think we're getting a direct two weeks from yesterday that's going to be my guess and so that means I think it will be Wednesday, the 16th of March or Thursday, the 17th. Those are my two guesses. And I think it's going to be a fine one. I don't think it's going to blow anybody away, but at least we'll know what we can spend our money on in the second or the first half of 2022. And the last story we have in gaming, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl got its big update. Yeah, we teased it last week. We said they were going to get one and we got half of what I said we were going to. I thought we'd get a new character, a new random stage, and voice acting. We did not get voice acting. But I did nail the character. We got Shredder. Uh, so Shredder is, is available right now. And do you know what stage we got? It's not a Nickelodeon character. It's a Nickelodeon television show. We got a Double Dare stage. Oh, wow. The original Double Dare, by the way. Back in the day with Mark Summers. So they tugging at our nostalgia. They, they're definitely trying. When that game goes on sale for twenty dollars, you best believe I'm going to pick that one up. I, I'm excited finally. And there's room for there's even more characters coming. So this is this is cool. Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. While not the most polished Smash clone, it's headed in the right direction. I'm interested. All right. Again, it's an hour and a half into the show. We just ended gaming. Big show tonight. I am very. Very dry in the throat. So I'm going to kick this over to you as we move into television here, Sam. What did you think of the debut trailer for Paramount Plus's 
Halo series. It, it's funny that we we haven't even said anything. Like I I know we both want when it came out, we both knew it was there, but we didn't say one word to each other. Nope. I, I have honestly, no idea how you feel, and you don't know how I feel. So off the bat, it, it looks like a sci-fi show. Uh, you mean the Sci-Fi Network, right? Oh yeah, so, so, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, I'm like, it is a sci-fi show. <laughs> yeah, so like, S Y F Y. Yeah, just just the way it looked, it didn't. Um, it it didn't do anything for me. I'm I'm not gonna lie. It, I'm I'm not impressed. I'm still going to give it a chance. I I have to. But again, off the bat, I'm not. Again, a guy who barely ever played ha- uh, Halo. I heard you know that they brought the same voice back, Jen Taylor as Cortana. Um, I heard people complain about what she looks like. To me, that I, means nothing because I don't know what she looks like in the game. People are saying she's not blue enough. If you added some like scan lines to her to make her look like a robot, they think she looks too human, basically, because she just looks like Gente. I, I'm fine with the way she looks. Would I like a few scan lines to make her look like more of an AI? Yes, but it's not going to break the bank for me. This is a Paramount Plus TV show we're talking about here. So. Yeah, um, I, I heard that. I'm reading that originally it had 10 episodes and then they cut it down to nine. Um, I know it went through a lot of different showrunners, so it touched Direct- a lot of and, different things. And directors, too. Directors, um, each cast. I mean, th- th- this show was all over the place, rewritten. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get Frankenstein's monster on here. Um, I, the only guy I know was the lead is Pablo Schreiber. You're like, who the hell is that? His first movie ever was Bubble Boy. Thought thought that was funny. He but he played was in Lo- Porn Stash and Orange is the New Black for anybody out there. Yep, that there that. he was in Den of Thieves. If you watch that, um, and he was in that other show with our boy, um, Ian McShane, American Gods. That was on for a little bit. That a, sucked. I hated that show. Was terrible. I thought the first season was okay. Then I was, I I dropped hard on season two. We hated the first two episodes and we gave up. I hated it. It, it, it again definitely not for everyone i i did like his best movie for me was den of thieves i did think that was a pretty good movie i think that was a pick of the week maybe for me for two years ago but again i don't know the, the show the special effects they had one cool scene with the one monster um other than that i it, it didn't really show me much i don't know i i ho- hopefully i'm wrong man but that trailer it did nothing <clears throat> um I think so like I think they nailed what they nailed was Master Chief's look in, in the suit. I think they absolutely and I said how important it was and they did nail it. I think they nailed the covenant. I think they look phenomenal. The aliens, they look phenomenal. I'm fine with Cortana. But that's about where I draw the line. Uh I can't stand Chief's voice. I know I'm used to Steve Downs. I know I'm spoiled. But it doesn't sound anything like Steve Downs. He just sounds like a deep-voiced soldier guy. And it's just like that took me out of it a little bit. The other piece, and you're going to laugh at this and you're going to be like, no, what the fuck, you're crazy. But I want you to hear me out as to why I say it. This reminds me, this trailer reminded me of Star Wars Disney Plus shows, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett. Not from a production like special effects standpoint. No, 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 no. Yeah, because Disney's got all the money. Disney's got the money. They they look great. Those shows look great. The special effects are fine. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Halo looks like it's going to take place on a big empty barren planet 
but they make it look like it's a soundstage. Like the book of Boba Fett takes place on a street or on a whatever. Like they're walking down the road. They take, they have the slowest car chase ever. They do this, they do that in these big open worlds, but in the small like sections of them, they have conversations at a fire at a garbage can. They, the Mandalorian is out in a wide open field with nothing in it. Like they just kind of have this spatial awareness that works for star Wars because it's star Wars and that's the world they live in. But I feel like halo took a lot of that. It's, there's dirt roads and everything's Brown. And there's like three guys on screen at one time. Cause they just don't have the budget yeah. for more. And that's how I, that's what I got the feel of. I, I thought the fight scene was, was not great where he shoots the one covenant and then swings his gun at the other dude's face. Like that looked really CG. Yeah, that's why like, like the sci-fi channel or the yeah. network, that's that, where I like, that's where it reminded me of. Like, I Ooh. didn't, I didn't for a second think of that until you said it. And I immediately agree with the comparison. This does look like, um, I won't say it looks as bad as like Sharknado or something, but it does look like a lower production quality outside of the costumes. Like I think, like I said, they nailed the look of these characters, but they're adding these random Spartans that of course are checking every box for 2022 that that's annoying. I don't need that. Um, this is supposed to be master Chief's story. And I hope that he is the central figure. I hope they don't, they don't invest too much time in only nine episodes in these other Spartans that I just don't care about because their hair looks pretty and they have makeup on. That's not what this is about. This is a gritty war. What are we doing here? It's just, that kind of annoyed me. The big fight scene with the two covenant soldiers, that kind of annoyed me. I want, give me the brutes. Give me the grunts. I want the grunts in the worst way. They're the funniest part of the game. I, I think they nailed that arbiter look, but they didn't nail the movement. They didn't nail the feel. I don't believe the fight scenes. This was just fine for me. I will watch it and I will watch it the second it's available. And I am looking forward to it. It does have a release date, March 24th to Paramount Plus. So I am very much looking forward to it. But this did nothing to really increase my hype. It yeah. just was fine. And the last thing I'll say, uh, Natasha McClellan, she's also in it. If you remember the show Californication, she was of uh, Karen. She, she was, was Karen, the main lead. The, the wife. So, and the other thing I'll say that... By the um, way, she has not been in much at all. I looked at her IMDb page recently and I was yeah, like, well, just a few, yeah, just a few things. She Californication her was her big, real yeah. big role. And the one thing I don't know if we mentioned that this is a standalone story inspired by the game franchise rather than a continuation or adaptation. So you're able to get hopefully the best of two worlds that what Halo can do. So I mean, yeah. I'll give it a chance. Our episodes. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to keep my expectations very low. I don't want to go on too long of a tangent here, but like. As we see it was my pick of the week, I think last week, Stranger Things 4, Mando Season 3, The Dropout, Better Call Saul's final season, Peacemaker, House of the Dragon, Ozark, A League of Their Own, Moon Knight, Resident Evil, Obi-Wan, Winning Time, The After Party, which actually kind of sucks. Murderville's out right now, that Will Arnett show. I have to watch that. Yellow Jackets might get its second season this year. The Lord of the Rings show. We might even get The Last of Us. We have Pam and Tommy. There are so many shows already. By the way, they're all in my notes section already um, that are coming out this year. How is Halo going to compete? I just don't see me talking about this show very much. It could blow me away. You never know. Mandalorian season one took me by complete surprise. So you just never know. So I'll wait and you know pass judgment then. But when I just listed off the shows that I did, especially if The Last of Us hits this year, 
I just don't know how Halo is going to compete in the pantheon of pop culture and not just be a forgettable, wow, this was rough. Yeah, I, I, I can already, I could basically say this is going to be definitely the back burner show. I don't know, man. I hope it's not. I really don't. But it's not looking like it's wowing. Really, and considering what I just looked at, uh, in 2019, the series spent over 40 million on pr- production cost alone. So, uh, and they and they went from Showtime to Paramount Plus. Let's not forget that this was a Showtime show that they moved to Paramount Plus, which is another bad sign for it because Paramount Plus, arguably, besides I don't know, Peacock does give a lot of subscriptions away for X1 customers, but like, who do you know with Paramount Plus? I canceled it. And if I canceled it, you know it's not great. I don't know. You were the only one I knew. So, you know, this is going to be one of those shows where everybody just magically watches it and we all wonder why <laughs> or how. Exactly. <laughs> Party Down is getting rebooted and starring Jennifer Gardner and James Marsden. Apparently, this was news in November. I missed that. But Jennifer Gardner and James Marsden just signed on this week. Uh, if you don't know what Party Down is, look it up. It's a wonderful cult classic, 20 episodes on stars it's still available if you have you know cable tv and stuff like that it's wonderful yeah it, it's a show that i i somehow missed oh megan malone um Mullally was in it uh from will and grace she was uh, allowed karen lizzie kaplan i this is the show that it only what two seasons yeah 10 episodes I, each I, I, adam scott the cast looks great i made oh jk simmons oh shit Ken Jung, Kristen Bell, God damn, they had everyone in this show. I may have to go back and just take a quick peek of the show. And even still, it had an it's got an eight point two uh, out of ten on IMDb with thirty thousand ratings, so it's not like a low rated show. Everybody loved it, but for some reason, it was canceled early. Kind of like Freaks and Geeks. It's almost like that same thing of canceled too soon, but an absolute cult classic. It's a decade old. I was in that. I was in college when this came out, and I always looked forward to this. We watched it right around when Dexter came out. Um, I think this was like a Friday night show, and we caught it on demand on Sunday. I can't remember my my uh, tradition back then, but it was so much fun. To know that it's getting rebooted is great. I will probably, at the, at the end of the day, prefer the original because of that ensemble cast. You had these well, crazy cameos. So you have Adam Adam Scott return, Jane Lynch, Martin Starr, Megan Mullally is going to return. Lizzie Kaplan will not return due to scheduling conflicts. That that sucks. That sucks. Maybe if we get Kristen Bell, Joey Lauren Adams, my favorite Adam Sandler love interest, the one with the raspy voice from Big Daddy. Um, okay, I love her. She was in Mallrats as well. Um, so like absolutely stacked. Um, June Diane Raphael, you'd know her. She plays like the best friend. In a lot of movies nowadays, so you definitely know her too. Uh, I just I'm psyched on this dude, Enrico uh, Colantoni or something. You'd know him too. I- I'm psyched. This is going to be great. I'm looking super forward to it. If you haven't heard of Party Down, if you have stars or if you have just you know a lot of the premium channels, go watch this show. Twenty episodes, half hour each. It's funny as shit. Enjoy it. All right, uh, moving on. I had to go back to my notes. I apologize. Uh, the final story in TV, I'm gonna let you run with this one. The CW has lit a uh, greenlit, a bunch of pilots. We knew the shows were in production. We're talking about Walker, Gotham Knights, uh, the supernatural prequel, but now all of those have been greenlit to get a pilot. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I, I, I didn't watch the Walker show, but I know it's Jared Padalecki of supernatural. So I guess they're moving forward with his prequel, the show, um, the supernatural prequel that's what uh jensen ackles 
he's still going to be doing the voiceover as Dean, and that's going to be based on his parents and how they all got started. And the Gotham Knights, um, I, I don't know what characters they're going to use. They didn't say anything yet. Um, it, I, it seems like, you know, we have that. We still have Titans going on. So I'm curious to see if, if they're going to maybe change the whole cast just so they're not, you know, having to use a Nightwing, Nightwing. Are they going to, you know, are they going to maybe use Damian Wayne or something like that? But uh, let's let's see how the pilots do. Um, was that what you wanted to, I, we, I know we don't talk a ton before we record, we kind of leave a lot of our feelings, but you said you have an opinion that you wanted to share on this before we started recording. Was that it? Yeah, I was just more like with, with the goth. It, it just seems like we're getting so much, you know, we have everything going on with the flash and, and star girl and Gotham Knights. I know the Gotham Knights that they said it, it's not going to be based on the video game. It's going to be something else. I, I just, oh, and the other thing I wanted to say was. Didn't we? Didn't CW say they haven't made money since like 2013, but they're just greenlit three pilot orders? Yeah, I know. They're I trying to... That was hilarious. Like they That's got no you... money, but they're they're spending money on uh, superhero show, the Winchesters, and let's more Walker Texas Ranger. The the Gotham Knights one's the strange one to me because we're getting the game. Like yeah, that's just... what I'm saying. Dude, we're still Titans is still on. Holy shit, dude! We got uh, Doom Patrol. Like wait, wait, Batwoman. Like there's a lot of shows. Uh, I get. Um, pop notifications for when Nintendo tweets. That way, I just know when directs are happening right away. Okay. And they just tweeted something out not 20 minutes ago, where we just sitting here talking about how we won't know the sales of Legends Arceus until the quarterly earnings, uh, especially for America because they don't release them. Well, Nintendo must be very happy because they just came out with the first week worldwide sales and 3.5 million. Try seven. Technically 6.5, but over thank you to the over 6.5 million players worldwide who have already embarked in Pokemon Legends Arceus. We hope you're loading up more potato mochi before your next research. They just made their money and then some on the first three days. Dude, 6.5 million plus in the first week. It's not even Friday. So the first six days, that's. We'll call it. That's impressive. Damn it. It's Pokemon. Open world Pokemon. That's impressive. Uh, Moving into the movie section. Just a nice PSA for you all. Tickets, if you're interested to going to see the Batman in theaters, tickets go on sale February 10th. So as a matter of fact, the night we are going to be talking to Mike Minotti from Games Beat on our latest interview bonus episode for you all. You can get tickets for the Batman. So do you plan on waking up that Thursday morning, watching Peacemaker and buying Batman tickets? Or are you going to try to just get in there with the gen pop? Yeah, I, I usually wait till like, you know, the day before or something like that to pick up tickets. I'm not usually one to grab tickets, you know, a month in advance. You're not like the Spider-Man people that were scalping them for like a thousand bucks a pop. Nah, dude, even when I still wanted the Spider-Man, like when I looked, it was like that day. It was oh, p- plenty of tickets. Like we, we're fine here in Philly. Yeah, I never had that issue. Anytime I would type never. in Spider-Man to like, if I wanted to try to go see it, I never had the problem. I mean, by the time I went, yeah, it was pretty packed. I don't know if it was sold out, but it was pretty close. I also don't have any friends, and I watched it alone because that's what I do. So I didn't have to buy four tickets or anything like that. It's pretty easy to find a single Not, recliner. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the We have the review for Jackass Forever, which will continue a trend. The first one reviewed like shit, and with each sequel, they got better and better and better. This one, the final chapter in Americans uh, in America's comedies. I'm sorry, I can't read tonight. The final chapter in American comedy's most chaotic saga, 
Jackass Forever is a hilarious last hurrah for the original crew. An extravagant stunt show filled with more cinematic homages than ever before. It takes an ill-advised trip down memory lane and raises the stakes in maniacal fashion. Few recent films have been funnier and more delightfully nostalgic. I want to go 9 out of 10. That is correct. It is literally reviewing better than three, which reviewed better than two, which reviewed better than one. Very, Not very often you see a franchise getting better as the sequels come out. What I find funny, I'm already looking at Jackass Forever on Blu-ray comes out April 5th. I don't ever remember, like, before it's even out, you already have the release date for the Blu-ray. Like, that's how fast of a turnaround it is now. So it's out now in theaters. They're doing that Thursday night thing. It's interesting. I've never seen this either. If you see it tonight, it's too late for all the folks that are listening to this. But if you manage to see it on the third, they're giving you the the extended bonus version. It okay? Because I'm looking here now. I know there's a there, they shot so much footage like they did before. There there is going to be a Jackass 4.5. They always do that. Yeah, yeah, like that, that. Like they always did. Again, this is directed again as always by Jeff Tremaine, and he said 4.5 will release. It, similarly, it's Jackass 2.5, 3.5, behind the scenes, unused footage, outtakes, and uh, Chris Pontius confirmed that it will be released on Netflix. Oh, that's cool. Um, is that in the United States, though? Like, it could be international. It, it just says Chris Pontius confirmed Jackass 4.5 will, will be released. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the version you get if you go see it tonight. Like, they're giving you this bonus version. I've never seen that before. Get the, th- get the extended cut on the Thursday preview, but the theatrical cut on Friday. It's just a nice extra incentive to go yeah. see it on the Thursday night. So pretty cool. Maybe they're going to get four and, and it's got an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I'm so psyched on this. This is one of the movies. Like I have a small list of movies. I'm psyched on for the year that I'm looking forward to yeah. the Batman uncharted black Adam, super Mario brothers, jackass, the fallout and Sonic two. And, and, and this one, you know, we grew up on the, like the CKY, you know, days. So it's like, this definitely was is like, it's, it's more, more nostalgia for us. We grew up watching these guys get their ass kicks and doing crazy ass stunts since we were freaking kids. Yeah. Especially on the TV show too. Like people forget that this show had a great run and then like Viva La Bam spun off on it and party animals or party boys or whatever. Party it was. boys. Yep. Spun out. So there was a ton of jackass in our in our pop culture pantheon. So yeah. Um Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey and, and other things. She will star as Madame Webb in a Madame Webb film from Sp- uh, Sony. So another Spider-Man spin-off. Hey, which is interesting because you know, Madame Madame Webb, at least in the animators back in the day, was always an older woman. You know, Dakota Fanning's my age. She's 32. Dakota, Dakota Johnson. Johnson, that's right. Okay. I don't know. I, said I, I always confuse them too. Don't worry. So it's like I, it's, I guess it's just going to take me a little bit getting used to used to, you know, I'm thinking of an older woman. Now she's younger. Like, is it going to be her origin story type of deal? So absolutely. Cause nobody knows who the fuck Madame Webb is. I, I mean, again, if you watch the animated series back then, you know, who she is, but you're going to expect a grandma, not, you know, a 32 year old, you know, actress. So I, again, I'm I, just I, thinking nobody's going to remember this one. It's going to need, it's going to need a lot of explaining. That's what I think. The yeah, casuals, you're, you're, yeah, the, exactly. The casuals, you know, they know, but the people, uh, they don't know who the hell she is. Yeah. Uh, and finally, well, first and foremost, before we move on, what what do you know besides that she was old? Like, what is her role well, in the Spider-Man universe? If, if memory serves, she's a mutant. So, oh, okay. So maybe this is kind of their way of slowly connecting, bringing the mutants in and... Um, 
you know, just bring in more characters and you know, maybe that maybe that's a way to another villain for Doctor Strange and Spider-Man because I know she's been, you know, fighting him, obviously, besides Spider-Man. But, um, yeah, again, a villain I'm not too huge on, so it's, it's not going to blow me away. But, again, I'll, I'll say it. Yeah, not much interest from me on this one. Um, I, I'm interested in Craven and kind of interested in Morbius. Craven, yeah, if, if Craven is one that is still one of my favorite stories of Spider-Man ever written, Craven's Last Hunt is fantastic. If you haven't read that story, go please go read it. It's one of the best. Yeah, I, I have interest in those Spider-Man spinoffs, but like Venom's been done dirty, real dirty. Oh, Venom Mor- too stunk. Yeah, it, does, it did, and I, I think Morbius has a potential to kind of stink too. We'll see. I'll wait past judgment but like this is just another one sony no disrespect they just don't make good movies in general sony just doesn't have a great just let kevin feige help you guys and you guys will be fine yeah for real there's no uh coincidence that the best movies that sony has made were helped by marvel recently so shit hit up dave filoni he'll help you for real dude that guy's a genius scream six has been greenlit this fifth one has done Bonkers numbers, great reviews. Young Taisa from Yellow Jackets is one of the stars in it. Uh, it's done great. Um, so obviously they're going to do six. I haven't seen it yet, but my wife has a lot of interest, so I'm sure I will pretty soon when it's available on demand. Um, this is something that I'm I have hope for because Scream was always the one franchise. I didn't grow up a horror fan, but this was the one franchise where I was like, I could see myself enjoying this. So yeah, it's we, nice to we, see the Renaissance. I was like, I feel like me and you, we watch more of the scary movies than the actual screams. Yeah, for real. You know what I mean? The scary so, but, movie movies. But again, you know, this reviewed well, 78% of Rotten Tomatoes, $24 million budget, and already made over $108 million. That's so it's, it's awesome. good to see. Again, That's you, really good. Yeah. You, you know, our boy Jack Quaid was in it. You bought the, you know, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell. So good, good on them. Sav- Savone something or other again young Thais I can't remember her uh, real name Savone Julie I, I whatever uh, and also seventy something on Metacritic is really good for a horror movie like just let's get yeah. that out of the way uh, and one hundred eight million it was smart its release timing was really smart it didn't really have much competition in the theaters right now so it's kind of picking up that like. Sp- yeah, they, they kind of, after Spider Man died down, they kind of came in and just snuck it out. Yeah, so good for them. Good uh, timing there. Sam, bring us home with your weekly wada. Weekly wada this week was a game. I actually, this was an order I shipped out to wada December 11th of 2020. And I finally got it back. I know that they were um, back ordered on their PS2 cases. So it looks like that they're finally slowly catching up on their backlog. I only have one order left from 2020. And of course, it's my Devil May Cry and my Devil May Cry 3. That's okay. I'm still going to wait patiently. But today we have Batman Begins for the PlayStation 2. This is the first print. You know that because this is the one that has the, the free ticket inside to see Batman Begins, which I remember my copy back in the day when I got it. I use this ticket to see it for the second time in theaters. Um, This is assembled, printed in the United States, teeny rating with the movie ticket. It also has the red EA, um, um, the the printed on the seal at the bottom of the case. This was based on the 2005 movie. The, The film's original cast provided the voiceover track, except Gary Oldman. I believe this was the only game Christian Bale ever has done. This is the first party Y seam, 9.6 A plus seal. 
Um, I've, I've seen a few of the movie um, up for sale, but usually I always, there's always that little tear in the seal. Because, um, again, you, you do, you're always afraid to get that dreaded B seal. So to get the A plus on my Batman Begins, which is to me, which started the, it was right before the Arkham games. This is where it started the stealth, where Batman uses his fear as a weapon. You get to drive the tumbler. And this was like the, the, the one that obviously besides the animated series games, this was the one like that was like the more real, realistic that set the tone for the next, you know, three, four Batman games to come out. So I, 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 I truly feel like this game doesn't get enough love. Um, sadly, they were actually working on um, a sequel for the Dark Knight. And then with the passing of Heath Ledger, the whole project just dropped and I think it was canceled, sadly. Um this actually received G4's award for best graphics on the PS2 and Xbox. The game only sold, I think it was a little bit over 587,000 copies. I still think the game was successful, but, if, you know, games you want to make more than that. Um, game Informer gave it a 7.25 out of 10. IGN gave it a 6.8 out of 10. EGM was a 5.33 out of 10. But, um, again, this is a game I had to have in my collection. I really search for a while to make sure I had that movie ticket just because again nostalgia memory I remember using my ticket to go see the game so happy to have this took a couple years to get it back but I'm glad it's here Batman Begins that's your weekly wada <clears throat> well I thought we were going to go over two so we're on we just kept it under huh yeah after that hour and a half gaming section I thought we were going to go over two. We've managed to keep it under. I won't ramble any longer. We got Mike Minotti joining us for a bonus episode next week. I'm so looking forward to that. But also episode 270, know some big news is going to drop. And by the way, again, direct season. It's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting a direct soon. Sam and I will be here to break it all down for you. But until then, we'll see you next week for our Mike Minotti bonus episode and episode 270. Fuck the Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs>